Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Molk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as comedian, satirical activist, public speaker, fledgling producer, grumpy words for at Guardian Oz, at ABC The Drum, etc., at ABC2's At The Roast TV alumni. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Jazz Twemlow. Hello, Steve. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me for a chin wag. Jazz, I'm always up for the wag of any chin, yours, mine or otherwise. <laughs> in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Oh gosh, I try not to uh, try not to introduce myself at social settings at all. <laughs> um, I, I usually just sidle up to people and insert myself into the conversation uh, with a joke, and then hopefully they uh, they never get curious enough to ask who I am. But, um, Are you the help man with the accent? <laughs> yes. Are you British? <laughs> Bring us the tea. Um, how do I? I don't know. Yeah, I literally I really, I try to avoid it at all. I just yeah. Hi, I'm Jazz. Uh, I, uh, I'm a comedian. <laughs> that, that, they get confused and they walk off. Um, but um, yeah, I find it. It's going to make this podcast very interesting, actually, because I've I've spent many years uh, avoiding um, <laughs> trying to give myself any kind of label, really. But um, yeah, comedian, I guess. You're a worker under many hats, as your Twitter bio suggests. Which is the one you enjoy the most? Gosh, um, that's tricky. I mean, I would say comedy, stand-up comedy first, mm-hmm. but that's an enjoyment that when I have it, it's um, it's very intense, um, but it comes and goes. So yes. I did Melbourne International Comedy Festival last year, yep. uh, and I did a 90-minute show, which um, most people usually clock it at, at, at about an hour. Yes. Um, and I did all my favourite and angriest and sort of most disgruntled material. Um, and then I was spent, like I, not in a tired way or a, I hate this way, because I really enjoyed doing the shows and mm-hmm. um, I had a great time doing it and I came out sort of um, not a financial ruin, which is apparently quite rare. <laughs> um, yeah. So I absolutely loved it. But um, for some reason I just lost the itch for the past year. I feel like I've sort of, sated myself um and it's only recently started coming back and so I've, I've booked booked myself in for my first batch of gigs at the end of this month so i've had a year off which is weird but um yeah that that's not a reflection on how much i i enjoy it or don't um yeah i just had to have a, a weird break um so yeah definitely stand up first but uh creating anything really um i mean at the moment i'm I'm a producer uh, mm. for a little production house in Surrey Hills, um, and we're making all sorts of fun stuff. And that's, I mean, that's um, that's been pretty awesome fun. Um, so yeah, producing is a new thing for me, which I'm still getting, trying to get, trying to become good at at the moment. I'm just sort of uh, winging it. But um, it seems to be working. Things get made, so it's good. <laughs> you just described the role of every producer. I'm trying to get things made, and I'm just wigging it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what every producer does. Yeah. 
I mean, they should. That should be if if you've got nothing on your CV, just put mm. you know. I, I seem to be good at ambling my way through situations um, <laughs> without coming out the other end with everyone hating me. So give me the job. <laughs> that should be that should be the interview process. You, you kind of sort of, and I acknowledge you have many you know irons in the fire. I took a year off comedy. It wasn't like you did nothing in that year, though. Your life changed fairly significantly. Yes, I uh, grew a second head. It was a bit weird. Um, <laughs> it's it's gone back down now it's fine no i well yeah i took a year tropical cream <laughs> yeah just rub it on the uh, affected area stupid thing was i rubbed it on the wrong head uh, so i lost i lost the original jazz head and now i'm stuck with this this new one um, head. yeah it's very it's very disturbing um what did i do well yes so i mean professionally i spent a year as head writer for a i, I basically managed all these sort of digital sort of online campaigns for um, NGOs. So I was sort of helping mm. Greenpeace and WWF uh, and I was trying to make people care about coral bleaching <laughs> for a year, which is very depressing. Um, is that like anal bleaching? Is that, yeah, is that the thing celebrities do to, um, yeah, <laughs> to make their sex life more interesting? Um, oh, your corals are brown. Ew. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah, oh, mate, oh, Pauline Hanson, we need more coral bleaching. Too many coloured corals yeah. have got into our country. Yeah. Operation Sovereign Borders, just <laughs> don't let the coloured coral get in. If it's white coral, fine. Um, all this coloured coral coming here and taking our oh, reef jobs. jobs. Yeah. yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, but then, yes, personally, I got, um, I got married to a lady. And, and now we've got a... Yeah, hello. Um, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and we've got a, and now we've got a, a baby due in uh, September. That is so great. It is. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't know about the baby bit. All I was hinting at was the wedding thing. That's awesome, dude. Yes. Well, it's you know, it's sort of hard to. I mean, weddings are something you can kind of uh, squeeze into your Twitter persona, um, mm. but it's hard to sort of tweet about. Oh, crikey. Baby, baby, because also like it's, it, it, it taps into that whole uh, sort of nook of stand-up comedy, which I don't really uh, buy into or enjoy particularly. Which is the oh my wife <laughs> sort of yes. you know, oh baby on the way now I've got to do baby material. Um, I'm have, an expectant father, and I don't know what a nappy is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've I've toyed with. Uh, piece of material which is sort of saying oh i used to be a sort of socially socially minded or social issues based comedian and now i've got married so i have to do marriage material here's my first joke and then it would just be like a a, like a 90 second dissection of everything that's wrong with society and then just finish (laughs) off with like and that really pisses me off and my (laughs) wife (laughs) That, that's be it. That's, that's as much as I can dip my toe into the uh, the, the marriage material. It's delightful. Um, well, Hugh, that's huge, Jazz. Uh, like the the marriage decision in this day and age is is a big enough one, given the political overtones of it, given the social overtones of it. For someone to say, you know, I, I like you enough that we're going to enter into this long-held institution, rightly or wrongly, and, and just being exclusive us, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's interesting because obviously 
I, I, I guess close friends of ours would regard us as very uh, cynical and I guess rather anti-establishment. Um, yeah, I know. Would you believe? Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and also this, the marriage equality issue makes the the issue of actually choosing to get married yourself it doesn't feel a hundred percent comfortable. Um, but then at the same time, I think it's almost like we latched onto this parallel universe definition of marriage that existed between us. Mm. Um, and like, well, to us, this is what we're committing to. And to us, this is what it means. And it just happens to have the M word, um, attached to it. And so the ceremony was, you know, it was outdoors and we had this great um, female celebrant who was very uh, irreverent and my mum <coughs> did all these readings that were, it was like a, a science medley, so it was like quotes from Neil, uh, I always get his name the wrong way around, Neil deGrasse Tyson, or yes. is it Neil Tyson deGrasse, anyway, um, and like Einstein um, and stuff, so it was all very sort of secular and just fun and then we had barn dancing and stuff but it yeah it was just nice to come to it from it's almost like we invented our own definition and just went with that yeah um adding the showiness of nature yeah although there was one awkward bit when mum was reading all these science quotes out and it's sort of very much you know um we don't need supernatural things to explain the the magic of this and all whatever and it was a quite sunny day um, and as she was reading it, and everyone, I think, was getting a bit hot, this amazing breeze just blew up from from the, the lake and just cooled everyone down. I was almost ready to call it there and then, like, stop, stop, okay, God exists, he's blessing the wedding right now <laughs> with his, his holy cooling wind. Um, it was like one of those moments where you felt <laughs> there's there's a presence here, but um, no one, no one, I didn't take the mic off my mum. <laughs> she let her keep going. On the wedding certificate, when you signed it, do you sign it Jazz Twemwa? Um, no, no. So the, that's a very clever way of getting uh, to my name. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, Jazz is it's a well-travelled name. So my my real name is is James. Um, but what happened there? Oh, that's right. I was in I was in Japan teaching English. Um, at a university and well I lived there for three years and the, for the first couple of weeks I was a bit annoyed because usually what people called me in the UK was um, was Jim mm. but over in Japan that became uh, Jimu which the what was it the, the, the sort of Japanese characters for that when you write them down in kanji looked like the, uh, the, the characters for office work um, so everyone was going around calling me office work, which excellent. Yeah, it wasn't very good. And I so I spoke to mum about it. I was like, just by the way, people are calling me um, office work, which is a bit weird. And she said, well, <laughs> what you could do is um, you could either be James. But I was like, yeah, but in Japan that's like Jemaza, which again, it's a bit of a mouthful. All those mashed up consonants. So she said, oh, why not call yourself Jas J A S. Because that's like a Scottish abbreviation mm. of James. Um, and she's Scottish and I'm half Scottish. Um, God knows what that means now with the Brexit. Um, <laughs> it means you're fucked. It means I'm half alien, half 
I don't know, English, who knows? Um, and yeah, so I said, okay, I'll call myself Jazz. And then in Japan, that became sort of, they, they pronounced it like Jazzu. Um, mm. So I just wrote it phonetically with the Zs. Um, yeah, and then by the, when I came over to Australia, I came over with uh, a girlfriend who met me in Japan. And she introduced me to everyone as, she knew me as Jazz. Yeah. She introduced me as Jazz to her Australian friends. And it's, it's just come with me to Australia. It's an excellent nickname that works so well with your last name. It really is quite the uh, the pigeon pair. It's it's marvelous. <laughs> yeah, it's just a double whammy of what? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've misspelled your last name, yeah. Jazz. If it was what? Like Jazz Smith, people might be okay. Like you know, Jazz Thomas or something. But Jazz. Okay, now you're taking the piss. What's that second <laughs> thing? Did you just did you kick? Did you, did you kick a bag of Scrabble letters and just went with it came out? Is that is that what's going on? <laughs> I'm sure that it has caused more than its fair share of consternation, not even with just normal human beings, but with uh, the people, you know, in the media that you've upset or offended because they then have to work out how to say it or even whether they acknowledge it because they then have to say the words jazz and twemla. Yeah, there's, there's been a couple of misspellings of people trying to... This, this guy... Oh, I remember the... What was it? I think it was the roast we used to get... Um, we didn't end up in fairness actually we didn't get that much um, that many hate tweets but and most of them were just about oh typical left wing blah blah bias um, listening to facts again Um, (laughs) there was I think there was twice someone questioned my name like that's Jazz Twemlow like what I can't even remember what the criticism was I think they they had a problem with jazz first of all yeah, it's so made up. It's not even as real. Like, that was it. It was like, oh, hiding behind a fake name to dish out oh. his criticism of, I think it was like Miranda Devine or something. Um, I said, well, it's not really. It's it's a nickname plus my actual surname plus mm-hmm. that's what I'm as on Facebook, email, and Twitter. So if I'm trying to hide, <laughs> I'm not doing a very good, <laughs> not doing a very good job of it. I've camouflaged myself with. My actual name. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah. Typical left, hiding behind the truth. Yeah. Hiding behind what they're called. What next? <laughs> oh, I had a question and it's vanished. That's okay. They're the worst. Just like my second head. God. Oh. I've, I've got to stop putting that cream on my tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I've got to stop rubbing, rubbing that disappear ointment on my, my fascinating questions. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> know oh, that happened a long time ago. <laughs> Jazz, can I ask, oh, yes. what for you is a source of strength? What's a source of strength? Oh, yes. gosh. Um, oh, blind. That's, that's that's a good question. Hey, um, I I would say in an abstract, with an abstract answer, I would say logic. Um, and reason. So I, I like mm-hmm. to think you can navigate most situations um, or, or navigate out of um, bad situations with, if you just think your way through it and, and you know, yeah. absorb the facts. Um, facts, you say? Yeah, I know. There I go again, being left wing. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, but then again, that's also, it's a source of strength, but it's also a source of depression um, and mm-hmm and worry because obviously you see other people um, not employing <laughs> those things mm. um, and you just want to grab them by the scruff of the neck 
and shake some sense into them. Um, so it's a bit of a double-edged sword, that one. Um, and then in real life, in terms of physical things, um, yeah, just, you know, family and and the wifey. Uh, you know, very good at uh, bringing you back down to earth when you're feeling a bit grumpy. <laughs> they sort of calm every, make everything good again. Do you find that um, the the comedy outlet, the the creative side of things, um, it, it helps you channel some of that, um, the energy that you have flying around that that might otherwise distract you. Yes, and that's partly why I'm looking forward to uh, starting it up again because I have mm-hmm. I have felt like a sort of a simmering, sort of nervous energy almost, or a. Uh, a sort of a discomfort um, that makes me a bit irritable and itchy. Um, so yeah, it is. It's it's definitely it's definitely a good outlet for that sort of. It's very cathartic. Um, but then at the same time, I, th- I I have gone through a bit of a shift in the past year where um, satire has was a source of of exactly what you were saying. That kind of outlet. Um, but I think having sat on the sidelines for a year, I'm beginning to find it uh, a bit less satisfying. I don't know if that's because I think my target is shifting. I used to be very uh, critical of um, the government and policies and whoever's in charge, and I still am, but I think my anger is actually slowly shifting more towards us rather than the people in power. Um, and as such, I find the sort of satire that's currently kicking around sort of uh, a bit unsatisfying, um, which again is fueling that itch and that uh, irritability. Mm. Um, I can elaborate on that if you like. <laughs> Feel free, yeah. Yeah, so it's... I guess it's part of the problem is that obviously uh, I remember something Noam Chomsky said, which was that on on the news generally when they have these you know guest panelists or whatever, mm. they only really have time to get out um, sound bites. Um, so what that means is you can either say something that the audience already agrees with, or um, or you're stuffed because if you say if you try and say anything yeah. radical or that they've never heard of before, if you try and shift the paradigm or just drop a truth bomb on them and that they've never <laughs> you know realised yep. before, you've, you've, the onus is suddenly then on you to back that up with an explanation. Um, and so what you then see on things like Fox News and blah de blah is basically just a doubling down on the status quo. Um, and you never really hear anything exciting or, or new. Um, and the same goes for, I would say that's a, a problem that also plagues uh, right and left-wing politics, which is that right-wing solutions tend to be, by definition, and I don't think I'm being I'm caricaturing here, they tend to be quite absolute, uh, and therefore they're very easy to express in a short space of time. You're like... Um, Stop the boats. That's our policy. <laughs> Just yeah. stop the boats. Um, whereas if someone from, I guess, the Greens 
say it was Q&A or something, if someone says, what's your policy? It's like, well, we're going to stop the boats. They've said it in 1.5 seconds. Um, whereas the Greens will have to say, well, OK, what we're going to do is we're going to let in yeah. uh, a fixed number of people. Uh, we'll use studies and research to figure out what number that needs to be. Uh, and then we'll cut funding from uh, the military and blah, 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 to create spending that can support the infrastructure so we can support more uh, immigrants. So suddenly they're going, they have to embark on this, you know, long explanation, which they don't have time for. Um, and all of this is a very roundabout, a long-winded way of getting to back to satire, which is that um, the really great stuff that I enjoyed growing up was like Bill Hicks mm. and uh, Lenny Bruce... Um, who really had you know these great shows where they had a long time to really take mm. the audience on a journey and walk them towards some pretty astonishing revelations and, and truths which would just completely blow your mind. Mm. Um, whereas news satire these days, because it's competing with Twitter and you have to get the jokes out and they have to be fast-paced, it... To me, satire in Australia at the moment is something along the lines of, oh, Malcolm Turnbull said this today. That's weird because we found these three clips of him in the past saying something different. Um, and that's sort mm. of as biting. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of rhythm that it has. That's the sort of Australian sat satire template. Um and so you just get a lot of this, oh, you know, Bill Shorten lied today or um, this person was an idiot today or, you know, um, whatever. Even on the roast, actually, we used to do it. I mean, like, you know, Clive Palmer said this today. Um, isn't he an idiot or something? But there's, <laughs> there's, you, <laughs> you don't really have time to go beyond that and look at, well, why is it that we have a political system where lying um, is sort of just par for the course and what can we yep. do to change that um, or with you know coral bleaching you know again and it's not that uh, this, this isn't a criticism of the people who are writing this stuff because it's just the constraints of the time you have like you know yep. the chaser team have to fit in I mean <laughs> their team at the moment they've got was it 270 people behind that desk? Easily, uh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, you don't have long... You, you can't just, you know... And obviously the ABC wouldn't um, sign off on a script that was, you know... Hey, guess what? We, in this episode, we're not going to do short, sharp recaps of what everyone said in the past week. What we're actually going to do is a systemic analysis of why the Australian government is inactive on climate change. Um, that would just, that would never happen on television. Um, so I remember Mark Humphrey shared a really good article with me once on Junkie, and I would urge you to, anyone listening to go and read it, which was the, the difference between daily satire and systemic satire. Um, and so if you just Googled, you know, systemic satire junkie, you'll find it but um no it's so it's a very good article and it that for me was a bit of a a light bulb moment um because it suddenly put me back in touch with all the sort of 
it put me in touch with a satirical voice that I realised I'd been missing since I was, I don't know, 14 or 15. Um, yeah. Of, and yeah, and basically the point of the article was there's not really any systemic satire in Australia. Um, and I think that's still largely true. Um, and that's, yeah, it's, and, it's a, and it's a problem. I mean, the, at its worst, I would say satire in Australia is almost complicit um, in the, the very status quo it's trying to criticise because it sort of acts mm-hmm. as a bit of a pressure release. Um, so, it's, you know, people can say, ah, oh, wasn't Malcolm Turnbull a dick yesterday? But thank goodness, you know, the Chaser team said it um, or Charlie Pickering or whatever. Yeah, thank goodness goodness they held him to account yesterday. Now I can move on. Rather than connecting, oh, okay, Malcolm Turnbull said a shit thing on Friday and Monday, and he's been saying all these things all the time. Let's let's look at the larger picture. You know, this is a bad man. So sort of take, you know, taking a more systemic approach. um, I think you're missing the obvious, though jazz which is <laughs> and that is that andrew bolt is quite possibly the best systemic satire we have on television <laughs> right <laughs> he does exactly what you just said for but... calling out malcolm turnbull except except that he doesn't call him a dick right of um, course be happy to point out the failures of malcolm turnbull yeah happy to, to recognize that labor aren't doing the things right yeah well maybe i should just when maybe we should start a Kickstarter or something and just hire him to do a left-wing version of his own show. <laughs> um, oh, let see how that turns out. Um, God, that would be... No, actually, let's not do that. Let's just... I, we need to do the opposite and have a Kickstarter to pay him to stay at home <laughs> and just have, a, just have 30 minutes of empty television on Sky. I think that would be, that would be preferable. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know. I've, I've just re... I guess I've re categorized um yeah. i i now refer to australian satire satire in my own head as as news jokes um which again isn't a criticism because it's because it actually does serve a good purpose which is conveying facts yeah. about what's going on every day um to people who might otherwise not engage with that sort of stuff so it does it's definitely i just think it needs a new title uh, mm. Because satire for me does trace back to its early days of you know I mean like Lenny Bruce would get would go on stage knowing he was going to get arrested if he said the things he wanted to say and he said them anyway and that's that's yep. quite boundary breaking and it shifted um, well he actually changed you know the law around blasphemy and what people are and mm. can and can't say I think I think satire holds a very special place and it needs to be somewhere it needs to be a combination of humour and activism I would say um, whereas what the chaser team etc do I would classify that as yet yeah, funny journalism or mm. yeah something news jokes or something but I think yeah satire for me is a, a different different thing entirely did you vote in the the Brexit poll? Uh, I didn't, um, which is 
forth. Part of the problem. Yeah, I am part of the problem. I absolutely. Um, it's sort of. I just. I totally didn't um, see that coming. <laughs> if I. If I. It's, it's part of the problem. There's all these overseas people who should have um, got involved. But it, I would have thought I would have got like a an email, or my dad would have said, "Hey, there's you've got a letter saying register for this," or someone would have just reminded me because I've just. I've been so busy that it just totally... And I've been reading the headlines and I've been all across it. But never... I I think part of my problem is I haven't been in the UK for nine years, so I almost don't classify. It just didn't occur to me to even get involved. Um, And now we're left with this. Not that my vote alone would have changed anything, but obviously if lots of people were as negligence as me might have avoided the problem but um well we are 24 to 36 hours after yeah. the uh the end of the poll and the result that was uh, effectively 1.2 if memory serves or 1.4 million votes the leave vote won by yeah which and is so with sad. only 72 percent of people turning out to vote yeah that could have swung pretty seriously yeah it makes either way it does make you wonder um and it's it's very very sad because, and, and this I mean this again, um, this is a, another example of what we were just talking about. Of mm. we we can analyse the results, uh, but I wonder how many people are actually going to use this as an opportunity to sort of analyse the very definition of. I mean, does yeah, just does does democracy work? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> Because it's, I, I, you know, 75% of people between the ages of 18 to 24 voted to remain. And obviously, they're the people who are going to have to live with this decision the longest. Um, whereas, there, you know, there are people on their deathbed who might have cast their vote and, and most likely voted to exit, as seems to be the trend for mm. the boomers. Um uh, There's been lots of media and analysis fly out since then, of course, um, where uh, Nigel Farage has all but come out and said that the the Leaves um, arguments, that they were just faulty and they were just scaremongering. Um, and a number of uh, anecdotal sort of quotes from people saying that, you know, I was speaking to my parents who voted to leave, but never thought that their vote would count or were only voting leave on this one issue and didn't think of some of the bigger implications. And there's been knee-jerk responses by something. I think it will settle down, but to have the pound fall through the floor as it has and to have, was it uh, the economy of of, uh, England go into fifth place or fall from fifth place? It's now behind France. Yeah, and it's dropped to, um, yeah, the pound's dropped to some rate. I think that hasn't been seen since since the, uh, the 80s. The Commonwealth Bank isn't trading in um, pounds. Yeah, and there's people in Europe who now can't draw, make withdrawals. Yes. Um, so stuck on holiday without cash. Um, yeah, it's a oh, creeper. Oh, it's hard to know what to say. I mean, it's just, yeah. I um, The thing is, I mean, what what people are saying is true. You do have to respect the democratic process but people are idiots well in essence yes um 
you have to respect the process, but it doesn't mean you have to respect the information that was dropped on people prior to the process taking place. Um, yeah. So there's you know there's lots there's lots of people who will have been provided with the wrong information, or or aren't voting with the future of you know the next generation in mind. Um, I, you know what you know if a seventy five or eighty year old voted exit, I would regard that as a rather self selfish act. Um, and it also it's also a bit naive for people in the UK part of the exit bunch or anyone really to defend the process as if well you know it's a true reflection of what people want but then to simultaneously lambast um, what's going on in the states as if the two things are completely uh, you know operating in a vacuum so like oh you know Mm. Abbott in Australia Trump's getting popular in the states but of course the democratic process in the uk has got no problems with it at all and lots of people <laughs> voting to exit the eu is naturally a rational decision it's like well no you've you've been played the fear card as well you just don't know yeah. it and we stare down a time of recording it's a week to the day of the election and when this comes out it's the friday before if you haven't voted you will have to democracy sausage tomorrow yes uh, we're seeing the same going on here in fact the brexit outcome is now playing into the political advertising and the the political stance of well at least one party probably both by the time we've seen this uh, get published yeah well idiots yeah it's um yeah i imagine i mean i'm i'm no bum by no means smart enough to uh make predictive analyses but um I, i would imagine sort of the Given the economic um, repercussions, mm. I suspect that would play quite well to the coalition in the sense of um, Turnbull giving his tax cuts to his, his corporate tax cut to protect business. Um, yeah. I think that's he's probably going to play that as quite a strong, yeah, strong card right now. And also, um, it also makes our sort of offshore slash borders situations seem more reasonable by comparison because it's well look look at you know our spiritual cousin the, the UK you know they're voting for a more kind of clearly defined British border um, uh, yes so if they're doing it look it's it's clear that you know the the coalition way makes more sense immigration won't change under the exit from the UK, it'll just change the way it has to be dealt with. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, that's the weird thing, isn't it? That there's some weird inherent uh, assumption that by voting for this, somehow immigration's going to stop, um, which it won't. <laughs> um, and also now yeah. that they'll be doing it without the assistance of the EU, who mm. prior... Yeah, you're on your own. Good luck to England trying to set up any kind of, uh, you know, uh, processing centres. Yeah. In any European country now, you're on your own, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's a big mess, <laughs> basically. Oh, crazy. I I know. Um, I, well, first of all, I hope that the the Liberal Party, um, sorry, the the Turnbull Coalition government, I think, is the actual name of the party now. Um, bring back the fake tradie to explain to us how we need to stick with this mob in times of political instability. <laughs> yeah. 
because that'll be fun. <laughs> um, the other thing that concerns me is I think, I think you're right. I think that um, the, the the coalition government, Turnbull and his mob, will will lean very heavily on, you know, you need to trust us because you know in this time of change and it, it's almost it's almost a tamper esque moment for the campaign in that regard that they can just well if you don't lean on us then you look at what's going to go wrong Um, and unless the media really challenge them about about it which given their history just this election campaign least of all before it they're not going to it's they're home and host yeah yeah it's going to be uh yeah i think stability is going to be a a big playing a big factor there so yeah, exactly what you just said. So sort of you know look at the mess over there. What we need is continuity uh, without change. Probably <laughs> probably drop the <laughs> Selena Meyer esque slogan and just don't hear continuity with sameness. And I think that's yeah. um, given yeah the instability that's going to be caused overseas. Um, yeah, stick with Turnbull and stick with yeah a strong business focus. Um, Let's not rattle any economic cages with concerns about the environment right now because what we need is, um, yeah, a strong economy to survive this. That's, yeah, I don't know. It's going to have a... The knock-on effects are going to be probably pretty awful, I would imagine. Spoken by Jay Twemlow from the <laughs> Jay Twemlow Party, Sydney. Spoken by Jim Thornalow, if that's his real name. <laughs> What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months, Jazz? Oh, my goodness. Um, go back... There's at least one thing you can't avoid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's another person who doesn't speak the language who's going to come in here and take our jobs. Uh, oh. stop, the ba- stop the babies. Stop the babies. Um, yes, well, that's going to happen, obviously. Um, and let's uh, let's just hope I'm, uh, I'm a good dad, and we'll see how mm-hmm. we go with that. Um... Yeah, uh, next 12 months, gosh. Well, yeah, I'm going to reinsert myself into the stand-up scene. Um, mm. And that'll be fun. And I'm going to... What I'd like to do there is just settle on what my... I guess my stage voice is. Because um, I have sort of lost uh, that sense of certainty that I had a year mm. ago. Precisely because of what I was talking about before i'm not uh yeah i I think i need a new target um and then beyond that um as a producer uh i'm pretty i've started producing video in um in 360 Mm. and doing vr stuff which was was being thrown into the deep end sort of uh (laughs) just turning up Getting yeah. getting a job, getting the job by the skin of my teeth, I, I think. But um, and then saying, right, so uh, you're quite new, but uh, produce this 360 experience. So, <laughs> so okay, sure. I don't even know how. Don't to... be in shot. Yeah, yeah, don't have no auto cue. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I'm, so I'm very grateful actually for that because it's I've gone straight from relatively little or sort of basically vicarious producing experience by sort of observing other people do it um, into now being (laughs) the cutting edge. Um, So I've somehow been very lucky there. Um, So I'd basically like to pick up as much as I can 
in terms of sort of industry experience and knowledge and then apply that to sure. my own projects because I do I did get funding from Screen New South Wales uh, last year to write a pilot um, and so now I'm sort of moving on to the next stage which is trying to find a way to make it yeah um, and again I'd, I'd quite like to sort of I'd like to be a gatekeeper to be honest of what can and can't get made I'd like to be one of those people that has the you know the knowledge and the the connections to green light things yes um, so that I can affect some sort of change um, either televisually or in terms of online content anyway because um, again it's it's a frustrating thing being a creative slash yeah being a writer or a stand-up as you are reliant on other people to um, make your stuff so I'm, I'm quite I'm very happy to have the job I have now because it means I can, you know, I mean, I'm in a position where, given another six months to a year, um, I should hopefully be able to kind of have a more hands-on approach with my own material rather than relying on someone else to say yes, um, which will be good. There's also growing opportunities within Sydney, particularly as far as performance opportunities and, uh, like, not just your traditional let's go and do stand-up in a pub, uh, but places like Giant Dwarf and those sorts of things that are uh, broadening the spectrum and opportunity for people to go and see comedy, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, Giant Dwarf was a big... Um, that has been a, that was a surprise and a, an, a, an amazing uh, change to the Sydney scene because there's, you know, there's something going on there every... <coughs> excuse me. It's so busy. Yeah, every night. Um, and also just the flavour of it's just a bit different like there's sort of storytelling and conf- uh, confession booth um, there's the big head mode which I love because um, I love I'm a bit of a gaming gaming yeah. nerd so anything that combines sort of live comedy with gaming I think is a fantastic move um, so yeah there's lots going on there Um so, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't discourage people. I wouldn't see that as an alternative. I, I see that as a complement to the. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you got to get out onto the open mic circuit and have and perform to three people. <laughs> yeah, and just have that as an experience. Otherwise, because it can be quite misleading seeing, you know, these extremely well produced, quite fantastic shows at Giant Dwarf, and you think, oh wow, this is great. This is. I'm going to become a performer and then, you know, <laughs> you go to a pub or somewhere and I, I performed to two people and, and <laughs> I'm not even sure one of them was alive. Uh, sort of, <laughs> it's like two old people in a dingy pub. So, yes, uh, it's, it's a fantastic addition. Um, but also, yeah, definitely uh, embrace the, the doom and gloom of, <laughs> of the live circuit as well. <laughs> hey, Jazz. Hello. Thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today uh, and have this great conversation. Please know the things that you've said uh, are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you so much. Not at all. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Steve. It was lovely. Obviously, you are some kind of tweeting person. Are there other social accounts that you would want people to know about? Um, well, probably just my... I'm on, I, I occasionally write clever things on on facebook um so i do have a facebook page under my uh my under my fake name um so you can find me there by searching 
the name that I have. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Twitter is where I'm most active, I think. I do, I'm on Instagram as well, but that tends to uh, end up being pictures of my dog. So I don't go there expecting biting uh, satirical commentary, um, unless I can find a way to combine... Um, combined dog satirical dog pictures i don't know what that would even be but um i'll I'll, I'll try that (laughs) i think it's a dog in a suit running for parliament yes um i think that your satirical dog pictures will become some of the most cutting-edge comedy after you've had a baby if you then uh take photos of the dog as if it were the baby yes well i think i would dress the baby as the general public and mm. the dog, I somehow would have to train the dog to ride on the baby's back once she's crawling. Yes. And dress the dog as the establishment. And I think that yep. that in itself as an image uh, would say more than uh, any of us have been able to say <laughs> in the past five years. That <laughs> would be the, the pinnacle of, of political commentary. Um, yeah, we'll see. Will no, it, it won't. Play don't, well please court. don't. It'll, it's just going to be baby pigs and dog pigs. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and occasional selfies of me looking exhausted. So let's avoid Instagram altogether, basically. (laughs) This has been humans of Twitter and I can confirm that at jazz Twemlo is indeed human. Guaranteed. But, but with two heads, but we got rid of one, so it's okay. But it's, it's still, I'm still getting used to the fact that I got rid of the wrong one. So.